And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. We have a problem. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Anybody going to Vegas? Ready, set, Vegas. You're either in or you're out. What's the thing about gambling? 11 days of basketball in the desert oh, oasis. Bastard cashed a bad check downstairs and gave you his reference. What happened here? Only happens here. Only happens I remember here. thinking, Jesus. Who wants to be my father? Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show, Las Vegas. Gentlemen, NBA Summer League, already having technical difficulties. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic, here with good friends, Nate Duncan, star of the Dunked On Podcast, uh, NBA expert extraordinaire. Nate, joining us today with Anthony Slater, with Jovan Buha, our Warriors beat writer, Lakers beat writer, respectively. Guys, we just got through the finals, it feels like, and here we are to, to watch some young fellas do their thing and, and chop it up. How are we? Doing great, man. This is the place to be right now. We're almost done. Get to see everyone, relax, see some of these guys for the first time. This is, a, stuff. this is a Nate Duncan Super Bowl right here. Okay. <laughs> what does you that know? mean? Because you have free agency kind of looming over it, just cap issues popping up yeah. over the league. All you can eat buffets to the left, to the right, wherever it is. <laughs> Prospects all over the floor. I mean, he, he's diving into <laughs> Bancaro's pick and roll coverage tonight, I'm sure. How's Jabari Smith looking? So, right, right, it's right. good. It is good. We, uh, we are going to hopefully have a mystery guest later on. I'm not going to say who it is, just in case, you know, stuff happens. Uh, but, but hopefully are joined by, this is killing me here, somebody who can chop it up about one of the top picks. Uh, but before we get into the young guys, and we know what time of year this is, guys. This is the NBA offseason where we have fireworks before and after the 4th of July. Uh, we've had some already, but the Kevin Durant situation continues to hang over the entire league. The Kyrie Irving situation continues to, to loom large and, and, you know, specifically in relation to the Lakers. So today we're going to hit a little bit of everything. We're going to get, you know, get into the young guys, but but let's dive into the, the big boys and the blockbuster stuff. Um, and, and Jovan, I want us to talk Lakers because you dropped a hell of a stat as we were sitting here in the Thomas and Mack Center talking about, you know, what we were going to get into today. Uh, as the Lakers try to build out their roster, try to get Kyrie Irving out to Laker land, um, supporting cast matters, right? Uh, repeat that stat you dropped about guys who played on the team last year and their current state of affairs. Yeah, so you have seven guys who are in the rotation last season who are currently not signed on NBA rosters. And I think that just illustrates how bad last year's roster was and, and how many of those guys just kind of around the league are, are viewed as guys who were on the back nine of their careers and haven't been signed. And uh, as Nate and I were discussing, you know, maybe Carmelo Anthony gets a, a contract somewhere, but guys like Avery Bradley, Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza, like I think they might be out of the league next season. Right. And these guys were starting for the Lakers or playing key bench roles last season. So to see the moves that they made, I think they're headed in the right direction. But the West is loaded. You got the Clippers coming back, the Nuggets coming back. I think teams like the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies and the Pelicans getting better. So 
the Lakers, even with, I, I think, a better roster, are still looking like a playing team, potentially even if they get Kyrie Irving, in my opinion, but, but especially if they keep Russell Westbrook. Well, and, and Slater, I'll throw it to you because you, you got a good feel for this situation. But it, to me, it's wild that, you know, so quickly, last couple of years within the league, we've gone from, you know, the, the evolution of the super team approach and players getting so much more involved. We know that with the Russell Westbrook trade and him getting to L.A., that it had everything to do with LeBron and A.D. essentially hosting meetings at LeBron's house with different players to, you know, to kind of put their front office hat on and, and play that part. It doesn't work. It blows up in their face. Go out to Brooklyn, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden get together. That blows up. Now, to Jovan's point, um, are we guilty of thinking, man, you get LeBron AD on kind of a revenge year? Depth he matters is what you're saying. Right, because Kyrie, LeBron AD, back in the day, a couple years ago, you just Doesn't wouldn't. matter. You he's Sam Amick at the four, Nate Duncan <laughs> over here at the five. You know, he's, he, uh, he's definitely a five over yes. my four. <laughs> yes. Look at this. I'm looking like a JV player um, here. You know, well, flip side of that point, look at the Warriors fringe guys. You know, after the season, they just had Gary Payton, you know, gets three years, 28. Otto right. Porter gets six million a year, you know, to leave the Warriors. And there's a lot of stink on that Lakers season. And I think it's it's rubbing off on uh, <laughs> plenty of people. <laughs> um, yeah, look, stars matter, too. Like, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and go, you know, just, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies should be the title favorites because they've drafted so well, uh, you know, in the in the middle part of the draft. Uh, stars matter, but you know you can't you can't whiff as, as much as the Lakers whiffed. And I'm curious. I don't know. I'm, I can flip it to Nate on this, but what do we think about the way the Lakers did pivot? I mean, I'm not sure I love their current roster construction, even though it is different from what didn't work last year. It's a little better, I would say. Last year, building on what Jovan was saying, Danny and I do position rankings for our podcast, and no Laker other than LeBron or AD was in the top 35 at their position. Ooh. I still think that's probably the case. Yeah. That maybe Damian Jones or Thomas Bryant could get in there. Maybe Lonnie Walker wow. could step forward. By but the as way, far that, as that's just the what, first, uh, you know, you go Damian Jones, Thomas Bryant. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I, I mean, set, the center spot's probably their best position, just looking yeah. at kind of who's in the rotation. Well, I, I was thinking that too, because of course, with Russ there, the whole thing was AD is going to start at center. They have to do that for the spacing, but they just don't have enough good players at the other positions like it almost makes more sense to start a center particularly if it's you know Jones and Brian have both shown some varying shooting ability so maybe it does just make sense to start a center because you don't have reasonable players at the other positions I think that's what's going to happen I think Thomas Bryant is going to be the starting center and you know he was talking about how with conversations with, with Darvin Ham Ham is bringing over a lot of what Milwaukee did and how important that stretch five role has been in Milwaukee with Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, uh, the, the last couple of years. So I do think that, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Damian Jones, he, he was 10 to 29 on threes last year. If he starts taking some threes. Oh, like, now. You the, sound the, like a Warriors assistant coach the, about the, the five Lakers, years The ago. Lakers need stretch. And, and, and that's my, like, I think on paper, they are better. They're younger. They're more athletic. You know, I, I think there, there's some improvement there. But they're still really small in the perimeter. I mean, just if you look at that perimeter group, everyone's 6'4 to 6'6", six, six, where you got teams like the Warriors, the Clippers, the Celtics, who can throw out multiple 6'7 to 6'9 guys. And then they also can't shoot. Their best shooter that they added was, was Troy Brown Jr., who was a league average shooter last year. Everyone else they added was below league average. And they only have two above league average shooters on the team right now in LeBron and, and Troy Brown Jr. So I just look at it like, I mean, they're small. They're not good at shooting, and I think there's a lot of defensive concerns with, with the current roster. So I'm very like skittish on, on kind of where this team is going, even with Kyrie. I mean, I think he'll 
massive upgrade on Russ, but there's still so many holes in this roster. Well, real quick follow. We're assuming our tone is as if Kyrie's going to be there. But I think you and I, you know, we've talked offline a bit. There's a lot more context there. What, if anything, can you share about what you think is happening with the Lakers front office right now with their star players as far as other possibilities and and how that roster is going to look when when training camp comes around? So there's a stalemate right now, I think, between, I mean, really multiple teams. The the league's kind of in a gridlock right now with this whole Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving situation. But I think particularly for the Lakers with with Russ and Kyrie, um, you know, from what I've heard, the Nets plan right now is to move KD first before moving Kyrie. So I don't think you're going to see a Kyrie move happen until KD gets moved. On top of that, they don't want to take back Russell Westbrook. And they want at least one pick back. The Lakers have been hesitant to give up that draft capital, but I think you just, you got to do it. If you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you need to maximize your window for next season. Uh, and then in addition, I mean, I know that they've looked around Indiana. Can we get a Miles Turner and a Buddy Heald? You know, the Buddy Heald deal was kind of the, the pivot the forever for them. Chasing yeah. it for years now. Last offseason, um, you know, is that something where Miles Turner can be that stretch five, good rim protector, Buddy Heald gets you some more shooting on the perimeter. But I think... You know, we're not going to see anything happen really until KD gets moved. But with Kyrie, I know he he wants to be in LA. I know LeBron wants him in LA. He's been behind the scenes putting some pressure. I think I don't want to get too into it, but the, the genie bus tweet I think had something to do with with some of the stuff that's been going on behind the scenes. So, uh, for what it's worth, and I, again, I'm pulling the curtain back a little bit. I, I looked into that. I couldn't make a ton of progress other than the Lakers owner was feeling melancholy about. Kobe uh, and so you know but I think there's a, a slight divide right now where that. LeBron wants Kyrie and, and some people internally might prefer a, a Miles Turner Buddy Heel type deal and gosh I don't like know that. why there might be hesitation to take on Kyrie considering the last couple of years and the way they've gone let's pivot a little bit because you kind of alluded to this um, the Kevin Durant situation in that trade that market just got impacted significantly by the Rudy Gobert trade with Utah and Minnesota because all of a sudden you know, Brooklyn, of course, because it's Kevin freaking Durant was going to be asking for the sun and the moon anyways. But then Gobert, you know, nets the kind of haul that he did and, and what Utah got back. Um, I do wonder how much that stalemate gets extended because there's really nobody in the league that is going to right now anyway be able to, to get anywhere close to the threshold that Brooklyn wants. I think it could be a while. Yeah. I think it could be weeks, if not months. It, right. You know, could go into training camp with, with KD and Kyrie still on the Nets potentially, and right. you're looking at just this awkward situation of do we run it back or, or kind of what what do we do? But I, I have a quick, but the problem with like going into camp, like Aiton's got to decide at some point, yeah. right? And you mentioned the league gridlock. Like at some point, Aiton's really the big domino that does seem to be really tied up in the situation. Like it's he he needs to know about his future, like probably pretty soon. Um, so, I mean, maybe he just, you know, offer sheets Indiana and maybe Phoenix matches, whatever, and, and Phoenix just bows itself out of the race. But I don't know, Nate. Just where, yeah, where Nate, you... unpack some of the, the cap mechanics there because, as you know, a lot of that is that executives who have even a 5% chance of maybe getting Kevin Durant, they don't want to take any scenarios off the table. That has everything to do with, with Aiden being stuck in limbo here. Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, in addition to, you know, the, there seems to maybe be some reluctance to just give him a max offer sheet. Right. I mean, I think that was going to be a somewhat intractable situation even before this KD thing right. uh, arose. I mean, there's talk now that maybe Indiana, once the Brogdon trade is complete, it might give him an offer sheet, which once he has gotten that offer sheet, then he cannot be included in a sign-and-trade. Right. The offer sheet is done. You either match or no match. You can't do any kind of signed and traded all. I wanted to, to get back to something you mentioned, though, Sam, which is Rudy Gobert and him impacting the Kevin Durant 
market. And now it's, there's going to be a lot of egg on everyone's face if it's like, you know, not only is it uh, has to be as good as Gobert, but it's got to be like orders of magnitude beyond Rudy Gobert. <laughs> right. And I, I think like that though, voice. He should use that more. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like Star Trek. Like going into <laughs> so, but the difference is, I would say, Rudy Gobert wanted to be in Minnesota. There was there was never an indication that oh, if we trade Rudy Gobert, he's gonna like not play hard and not want to be here. Like for whatever reason, he's just not built like that. Like KD at age 34, he made the trade request. That's different than Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert did not make a trade request. This is the organization moving early on him. And so for KD, you're not going to get everyone's best offer because he doesn't say he wants to be there. You can't put in Brandon Ingram or Scotty Barnes or some of these names that have Unless been bandied about. Unless it's Phoenix about. or Miami. Yeah. Right, right, right. So KD's not going to say, as far as I know, oh yeah, I'm all in Messiah. I'm all in David Griffin. Go ahead and trade no, these fair. guys. You yeah. can't take that risk. And, and the so, price tag needs to go down as right. a result. Yeah, I, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, uh, another natural segue. Let's talk about how the Timberwolves will look with one Rudy Gobert. And poking fun at myself a little bit, I'm staring at TweetDeck in front of me. I have an exclusive quote from Rudy Gobert himself when I sent him a DM and said, I think you guys are going to be good. And to the athletic only, don't aggregate this. I think so too. Rudy also <laughs> thinks they are going to be good. Uh, this this experience, not an experiment, but like this divide within the league right now of the Celtics of the world, the Warriors of the world, you know, long wing, switchable, all that stuff. And then some other teams leaning the other direction, the Gobert, Towns pairing. Um, uh, I think they are going to be good, but the West is all of a sudden, you know, after falling behind the East a bit, is now brutal again and incredibly deep. healthy. They're healthy again. Yes. You know, that's the big thing. Clippers Nuggets, healthy. Yeah. Should Absolutely. be at least. I mean, you know, we'll see. We need these Michael Porter Jr. updates, Kawhi updates as the summer goes on. Does Kawhi exist in the offseason? I don't know. Um, <laughs> There's been some He's not been cleared for five on five yet, actually. Well, look I at that. That seems. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever that he'll and his teammates. Well, I always love. He's a San Diego guy, of course, yeah. in terms of college and whatnot. The Clippers, uh, Om Youngzuk from, <clears throat> excuse me, from ESPN had reported they went down to train with him in San Diego. There's never been a star player whose teammates gravitate around him more. Jovan and I might have written about that a bit back in the day. Uh, but yeah, Clippers are a, a mystery. Uh, the Nuggets are not a mystery. We know how good they're going to be. You know, the John Wall thing with the Clippers is going to be really interesting. But where do the Timberwolves fall? How good are they going to be? Or are they going to be fighting for that play-in tournament with your Lakers? I have them seventh in the West right now. Okay. Uh, and I, I, you, you can make the case, I guess, that maybe they're a little bit higher in the regular season. But I'm looking at things more of, you know, team by team, kind of who, who do I have confidence in to come out of the West, yeah. win playoff a series. Playoff power rankings, basically. Playoff power rankings, basically. Like, so you got in the, in the Pacific, I mean, Golden State, defending champs, I think should still be really good. Clippers coming back to me are the best team in the NBA uh, on paper, uh, just with the amount of wing and, and shooting and yeah, like I think the Clippers are like 12 deep right now with, with just I mean you guys like Robert Covington and, and Norm Powell who like you could take out of the rotation and they'd still be fine. So uh, assuming they're healthy, the Clippers are up there. Uh, the Suns, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with Aiton, KD, but like I, I think either path theoretically they should still be. I mean Chris Paul, Devin Book, like. Chris Paul's getting up there, but I'm going to give Phoenix the benefit of the doubt. Memphis, I know Jaron Jackson Jr. is out, but I still think they're one of the deepest teams in the league. They won games last year without Jaron Jackson Jr. I, you know, they pushed the Warriors uh, without Jaw. Like, I think that team is legit. 
Dallas, I, I know on paper maybe is worse without Jalen, but to me, Luca in a series is, is just he's the best player, and I think in a Minnesota series that, that that's kind of a, a big gap there. And then uh, Denver. So like to me, I, that's I six that teams that are clearly ahead of Minnesota. I, and I like the trade. Like I, I think they got better. I like Rudy Gobert, but I, I still think you know they might have gotten better. But to me, they're still seventh in the West. Well, like a lot of teams, we Slater and I talked coming in today about the Kings and De'Aaron Fox and how yet again it's a year where a younger, not just not young, a guy like that needs to find a new level and everything is all about what's he going to be, you know, in, in terms of the team. Anthony Edwards in Minnesota, I mean, that's a massive part of their season. Is, sure. is he going to be a top 15 player, um, you know, and the kind of guy who is that special? 15. Uh, early you know, for 15. 20, 25. I mean, if, if he does that, then I have Can he be in the all-star right. conversation? Right. I think so. My question. Can he be, like, top most 30. improved player yeah. of the year? Maybe. Um, I That's the th I think they are going to be a very good regular season team because isn't Rudy Gobert just by himself basically like a top five regular season defense? Yeah, yes. we'll, we'll see whether that's the case or not. Yeah. In theory, they, you know, Towns and Russell are pretty rough, but the Ant and uh, Jaden McDaniels have pretty good athleticism. So you would think that they could at least be around where Utah has been when Gobert's on the floor the last couple <laughs> of years. And I mean, Gobert is about the same as Jared Vanderbilt, and they scored just fine with Jared Vanderbilt at, you know, what is basically the five on offense. So Gobert's probably better than him with his rebounding and finishing around the rim than screen setting. There you go, screen assist. Um, so, so, I, yeah. you know, I think that um, the one thing we can't, you know, history tells us like two teams will fall off. Either it's a random like Lakers situation like last year when we were all, I think I picked the Lakers to win the West going into last season. Yeah. yeah, speaking of egg on our face. Yes. Right? I might have picked um, them to win the title. Yeah, or just, just like, there's injury stuff will pop up. Who knows? You know, it, maybe it's the Clippers again. Warriors have gone through their injury issues over the years. They're an aging core. There's just, you know, there probably will be two of the teams we mentioned. We just don't foresee what's going to happen to them, but they'll probably fall. Just two teams will. So I think, I mean, I comfortably believe Minnesota will be in the playoffs. And then, you know, it becomes matchup dependent. Um, you know, they almost beat Memphis without yeah, that, Gobert. That's, that's a good, yeah. A so, you know, and they like that match, but I think they're like... I mean, is, is there any one of the six teams I listed that you would disagree with? Off to, like, I, I guess I'm looking at every, everyone's healthy. I feel healthy, like you glossed over a little bit on the Dallas situation, and what cracks me up about your opinion there is that the Knicks, if your vibe on the Dallas situation is accurate, then the Knicks just wasted a whole lot of money on <laughs> I think that's Brunson. why. I yeah. think I might... <laughs> because... I mean, I think it's a big loss, but I just think... I kind of tend to default to like best player in the series gives you right, some type of advantage. Right, but we've also seen him bow out r repeatedly in the first I, round I guess when the he didn't like a, have the a help. Clippers team that was, I mean, again, low, I got it. Yeah. I think it was a tough matchup. It was a tough matchup. Yeah. And, and I, don't, I don't know if Minnesota can match up with him as well as those Clippers teams could. And, and this is just a theoretical Dallas-Minnesota matchup. But yeah. The also, he's thing, looking again, skinny. He's looking skinny in the offseason. He seems. We didn't even mention New Orleans, who I think is a sleeper to, to make a, a giant yeah. leap in the West. Yeah. With well, Zion and for, I'm glad. And the Lakers, like you know, like they we Lakers should get still Kyrie. respect I mean, like I, some yeah. of their talent. We should, but the New Orleans, we we know who they were at the end of last year. Surprise story. Uh, our mystery guest has arrived. Looking forward to bringing him on. Um, but getting Zion Williamson on that extension, I think in the media we are sometimes guilty of you know, analyzing, criticizing, not circling back. We need to give some credit to Dave Griffin and his front office team because it seems like five minutes ago that, you know, the, the walls were caving in on that situation. Lo and behold, Zion signs it, saying all the right things about New Orleans. I'm not, you know, I read our, our guy Will Guillory, Pelicans beat writer on it today. Zion saying, I'm not going to let the city down. I'm not going to let the team down. 
Zion added to what they had late last season looked pretty dynamic. All right, I'm going to take Nate off. Nate Duncan is out. Thank you. And our uh, guest and, has arrived. And your uh, superior guest can take over yes. here. Thank you, my friend. We appreciate you. Always a you. pleasure, gentlemen. Absolutely. Yes, thanks for joining us. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So we are about to bring on Mr. John Hammond from the Orlando Magic, who is currently talking to Larry Kuhn. Of course, Larry's one of the, the mayors here. Hello, John. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thanks. We appreciate you. How are you doing? Anthony Slater is our Warriors beat writer. Yep. Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer. Nice to meet you. <laughs> We're not going to, we got a headset for you, John. We won't talk about, we don't have, currently have a magic beat writer at The Athletic. We got to do something about that. Because <laughs> you guys got stuff going. We, uh, John, I, I didn't want to promote your appearance until we saw you, because I know you're a busy guy. No, you know, just got to leave people in out. But this is an exciting night for you and your group. John, we're, I mean, you're talking about two, I was wrong when we spoke on the phone yesterday. We got two games tonight. But you right. guys, right. But you, I should have known that, Sam, to be I honest should, with okay. you. <laughs> More than you, probably. I'm paid to be here as well. You know, <laughs> I probably should have known. But it is, it's fun. I mean, listen, with all due respect to the second game, I don't think a lot of folks on the East Coast at midnight are going to be tuning in for that one. You guys are front and center. And, and Paolo Bancaro, your number one pick, obviously is the talk of the evening. I know there's a lot of context around him and, the, and what you guys have going, but let's start there. You've been doing this for a long time. So you've seen everything. You've done everything. 40 years in the NBA, John. So, you know, you, again, you've seen it all. 
Is there a buzz? Is there an electricity for you when you see a young fella officially, uh, you know, get his career going on a night like this? It is. You know, that's kind of the neat thing about what we do. Yeah. You know, we always have do-overs. So no matter what happened last season, we get to do it again. Right. That's the fun part of our job. Sure. You know, and the fun part of our job also is having a chance to, to have something like this happen, get the number one pick. Right. Have an opportunity to draft a guy like Paolo. And... Uh, you know, then uh, cheer for him and, right. and hope it all goes well. He, you know, he's um, uh, he's been great, and uh, we've enjoyed him. And I tell you, we've really enjoyed too. You know how you do the post draft thing. You you know, you fly the guy in the next day. You have the presser, and you have a chance to meet the family and spend time with them. Right. And um, even more encouraged about Paulo after being with his family. Right. Mother, father, really, really good people. You know, it's it's encouraging to know that he's had that kind of support base just in his house with his parents, but also extended family too. So right. um, that makes me feel very good about him and for him. Tell me, so so to me, the vibe between you guys and Paolo seems incredible right now. I was going through the Orlando Magic Twitter feed and, and there's a lot of excitement and, and interviews where he's talking about the character of some of the, the new Magic people who are now his coworkers, Coach Jamal Mosley and guys like that. And it, But if you hit the rewind button a little bit and you go back to draft night, as you know, you guys were the talk of the town. You, you kept your draft process incredibly secret, mysterious, and really shocked the world with that pick. And this stuff's, of course, all been reported. Uh, you didn't work out with Paolo, uh, you know, going into the draft, didn't have a meeting with him. You guys clearly looked and said, best player, let's go get him. But what can you share about, about what happened there in terms of, you know, what we thought outside looking in and then what was going on behind the walls? Well, we, we you know, we did have him. We did meet with him. We met with him in Chicago. In Chicago, right. right? And, right. Then, and then beyond that, we also had numerous Zooms with him. Okay. He did all the testing that we asked for. Of course, we had all, all the medical information. And, you know, always kind of talk about that. There's kind of sometimes gamemanship that, that, that's played through this draft sure. process. And sometimes it's played by the team, and sometimes it's played by the agent. Right. So, um, who we should mention is former Magic player Mike Miller represents Paolo. It's an interesting twist. Won't go any further than just make that that, that comment being made. But, sure. You know, he yeah. was he was great with us, and says, "Hey, look, I want to be there. Yeah. I want to be the number one pick. Right. I would be excited about that, and uh, that's all we wanted to hear. You know. So would we miss? We miss an opportunity to watch him come in and shoot some jump shots. You know, those right. workouts are going to be one-on-oh workouts anyway. Right. So uh, watch him shoot some jump shots, watch him handle the ball a little bit. We've been watching him do that, you know, all season. Right. And, and beyond that, some of our, you know, scouts have seen him even uh, in his younger years too. So right. we, we knew him as a player and just having a chance to get to know him better uh, was great for us. And as I said, even more so, you know, post-draft, having him come in and just solidify everything that we sure. we hoped was, it even was uh, better yet. This, yeah. uh, this was a... This wasn't one of those drafts where it was obvious who should go one. Obvious, or, you know, maybe it was to you guys, but you know, outside looking in, you know, Jabari Smith's going to be playing tonight. Chet Holmgren's already debuted for the Thunder. It was, you know, those three were were, were obviously, uh, you know, that, the opinions out there that it could have been any of them. What was it about Paulo, you know, on tape mostly, I'm sure, at Duke that separated him to you guys and, and had you take him on? Um, you know, there there's a part of it that that um, you know you talk about that ready-made factor. And he has that ready-made body that uh, the fact that he's, you know, walking in here at 6'10", basically 250. And it's a, it's a, you know, this is a man's league and he's got a man's body. So uh, that was, that, that was one of the things that excited us, but that's just from the physical side. On the skill side, um, you know, to me, I, I think maybe Paolo's greatest asset, greatest attribute on the court is his vision and his ability to pass the ball. 
The guy is 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 a, a really good passer. Um, he has a very unselfish game, and I think at times at Duke, you know, we're talking to their people. I think they almost even want him to do more, but that's not really who he is. He's not a selfish guy. He wants to he wants to find open people, wants to make people better. So, right. Um, that's uh, we're we're really encouraged by that, and uh, you know, think that uh, he has a chance to be to be a very good player. Do you you mentioned that? Do you view him as a guy that like you know maybe not year one, but down the line, it's like run pick and rolls, you know, get up top, like hand, you know, control the offense essentially. I, I think, you know, probably sooner rather than later. And I don't know about controlling the offense as much, but, but the fact that when you have a big like that that can handle the ball, um, you run a two-man game and he's the ball handler. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can, you can really get very creative and say you can have a, you know, if you're going to call him, you know, a, a, the four-man at the power forward position, let's just say, a, you know, the, the, the two-guard and the point guard. You know, you can have him handle and let a small handle for a screen for him mm -hmm. and really mix things up. You know, people aren't used to covering that sort of thing. So it makes it just a little more exciting. You can be very creative with him. John, the, the standings from last season really say nothing about your group. You know what I mean? You've, you've dealt with so much on the injury front and the health front. Uh, I wonder, as you guys discuss this roster, when you have, you know, Jonathan Isaac and everything he's been through, Jalen Suggs dealing with some injury stuff last year, Markel Fultz, what is the vision in terms of even the guys, you know, like, Markel and Jonathan are 24 years old. They've been around for a minute, but they're still very young. And, and you know, you have a good age track there. What's the vision for, for all these young pieces and, and, and health being a massive factor and, and how good this team can be? You, you just stole my thunder. That's yeah. what it's all about for us. It's yeah. about health. So yeah. we've just got to get healthy. Yeah. I, think, I think that, you know, if we're a healthy team, we'll overachieve this year. And I don't know what overachieve means if we go from, you know, to... 30 wins, 35 wins, 40 wins. I don't know what that would be, but I can tell you this, we'll overachieve if we're healthy. Right. And and we'll be a team, we'll be a team night in and night out that when people come in and play us, they're gonna have to play well to beat us. Right. And we're gonna have a chance to win games. But, you know, we've just gotta get our guys on the floor. You know, we gotta get Markel back. Um, you know, Markel Fultz has, he, you know, we need to have him play 70, 75 games for us. You yeah. know, we need to have Jalen Suggs do the same thing. And, and the real factor, if we can get Jonathan Isaac back, you know, and, and not trying to put any undue pressure on him whatsoever, but he's working hard. Um, he's getting there, hopefully. And, uh, you know, he's the guy. When he's on the floor, everything just fits together because especially on the defensive end, he's so versatile defensively. Right. And, uh, and he's, he's a good offensive player as well, but especially a very good defender. How all all he, league defender. How is he doing from the human level. You're talking two years almost. You know what I mean? Makes me think of, so Slater covers the Warriors. Yeah, we saw with Clay Thompson. Yeah. You yeah. know, and the stuff that we don't spend enough time analyzing, which is this game is not played on paper. This guy has not been able to do what he loves for a very long time. Just how has he come through this experience? Well, you know, you, you saw it, and, and I'm living it with Jonathan. You know, I, I um, my heart kind of goes out for him. Right. Because he comes in every single day and goes through that rehab. And it's... Tedious. It's, it's tedious and lonely, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so, but, you know, he's a strong guy. And um, I can tell you, he's, he's optimistic and he's encouraged that he'll be able to get on the floor. And, uh, and we're hoping that he can. Right. How about Jalen? Um, you know, you saw glimpses last year. Yeah. Uh, we know rookies in general. I mean, it's very few and far between when they are big-time impact players in their first season. What was your, your overall assessment of how he looked when he was out there, and then you're seeing him, I'm sure, a little bit now, just how you're seeing Jalen. Well, Jalen, you know, um, when he played, he played 40-plus games. He missed almost half the season. But yep. when he was out there, he played very well, yeah. especially on the defensive end of the floor. You know, he's a dynamic defender. He's never going to lose that. He's only going to get better at that. 
He's bigger, stronger already, um, and he takes he takes pride in defending people. And, um, you know, offensively, he's a rookie. So he had some moments where he looked good and some moments he didn't look quite so good. But right. he'll get better. And um, I think, you know, I think the guy has an extremely, extremely bright future. Right, right. I have a, I have a Mo Bamba question for you. <laughs> um, so I think from the outside looking in, you know, you draft Paolo and you guys have so much size. What, what was it about Mo and, and his skill set and, and what you've seen that uh, led to you guys retaining him? Well, you know, you think about that. We, you know, we have uh, uh, four years into him. And, uh, and, you know, for a guy like that, you know, you spend all that time and effort on him and him putting the effort in as well. And for us, we thought like, um, you know, if we could bring him back um, and, and, you know, give him, give him more time, why not? He's a young big, you know, and, and, you know, what Mo Bamba has, he has, you know, he's one of the, has one of the longest lengths reaches in the NBA. Um, he's a good rim protector, and he's a really, really good three-point shooter. I mean, for a seven-foot guy, those are all huge check marks. And, um, and he's a really good person. You know, he's one of those guys, you enjoy seeing Mo every day. And uh, um, those guys are important as well. And, you know, I just, I hope that he can continue to grow and develop his game. And, you know, the, the, the great thing for Mo, I think, right now is is um, buddy of mine in the NBA I was talking to. We were talking about the contract, and he goes, you know, this is great for Mo. He didn't say it was great for us. He said it's great for Mo because it's putting a little pressure on Mo now. Okay, now it's time. So, um, and I think he'll accept the challenge. And, you know, as I said, great guy with a skill set like that. It's kind of an easy one to bring him back. Ma Magic beat the Warriors in Orlando this year, and it was the, Mo Bamba hit the the clinching three in that game because Draymond Green overhelped. I mean, and you mentioned, you know, there is size. Obviously, you know, uh, you know, you wonder about his fit with with Paulo, but the reality is, if he hits threes at a, at a high rate, like that plays anywhere. You know, you could be a stretch five next to, you know, a ball handling four if you could stretch the floor out. No, no question. You know. Bigs have a difficult time, you know, stepping out there and, and matching up against guys like that. And it's kind of funny you talk about the game-winning shot because um, uh, our team sports psychologist at one point in the season said to me, um, if you had one guy to take a shot, a three-point shot to win the game, who are you going to take? I said, Mo Bamba. And I don't, I don't know if it was before the game or after the game, yeah. whatever. But I mean, but I mean, I, that's how much faith Just I have. Just say before. You call it okay. the, you call the shot. <laughs> but I mean, you know, he's so amazing because he has these gigantic hands. And usually guys with big hands like that, yeah. you know, the ball just doesn't fit as well. You know, the ball's too small for those kind of guys. Yeah. But, he, you know, the good Lord just gave him a really good gift and that gift of an, an amazing touch. His ball just flutters up to the basket. So as you, you analyze Mo and Paolo and, and the two bigs idea, before you jumped on the set, we were talking about Minnesota. And I wonder even if you go a little more macro, what is your feeling about this interesting trend in the league where you've got the Celtics and the Warriors of the world trying to have long wings, switchability, that type of thing. And then Minnesota obviously going all in with Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns. You guys have size, uh, you know. Cleveland. Cleveland, yeah. yep, yep. Uh, just in general, how do you see that trend and, and the idea that, you know, whether or not that can work? Well, I say this, you know, you talk about like time in the league and, you know, everything is cyclical, right? And so, you know, you've got the Golden State thing going on right now. Yep. And all you're doing when you're trying to play them is you're trying to match up, you know, your smalls against their smalls. And when you do that, you usually don't win. Right. And I, I just think, you know, like I look at that Golden State situation and say, if they do well, and if they do really well and happen to win, people are going to say, we got to go, we got to be bigger. 
And and so I think I think it could happen. In the Minnesota one. Yes, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Golden State. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yes, yeah, no the Minnesota. Minnesota yes, yeah, yeah. With Minnesota and, the, and and that what they've done there. Right. I mean that's that's very interesting. You know, like size is still a factor. You know, and we're talking about our team right now and saying, look, we have the potential to put like you know very, if we get healthy, a very very big team on the floor. Right. But if you have t people that can move their feet and and you know handle and pass. You can be okay. Right. I know Boston didn't beat the Warriors in the finals, but Robert Williams was a huge factor in, yeah. like, the Warriors' struggles at times. And he was never healthy. Either. Yeah. Yeah. And even you go back to the second round, like, they struggled at times with Memphis. That's because Jaron Jackson, you know, was bothering them. I mean, rim protection is just massive in this league. And I did kind of want to ask you about Paulo's defense, though, because uh, I would say, you know, anyone that was skeptical of him as potential number one pick, a lot of times what you would hear, it's like, we don't know what he'll be as a defender. Maybe he wasn't that great at times in, in college. What do you see? I mean, clearly has the body, as you mentioned earlier. What do you see, uh, you know, his future, maybe 24-year-old Paulo on the defensive end? Well, he, he's got the strength to do it, which is one of the, you know, real factors, too. you got to be strong enough to, to defend. But um, I think his feet are good enough, you know? So, so... You know, his downside is he doesn't have great length. Um, he doesn't have the real long arms. Um, so you lose that kind of rim protector at that power forward position. But um, but I think his feet are good enough that he's going to be able to defend. So I don't, I don't really worry about him defensively. You know, there's still that kind of the old school part of me that if, if you want to defend and you want to rebound, you'll do it. If you don't, it doesn't matter what you have, you're not going to do it. So hopefully he's got the heart and the desire to defend. But I, I, I do think, I do think his, his feet are good enough to do it. You, uh, you know me well enough to know how much I enjoy it with the way I cover the league to, to get behind the scenes and to learn as much as possible about the way you guys do what you do. And so, as always, to whatever degree you are comfortable sharing, I would love to learn a little bit more about the days and the hours leading up to the pick on Paolo and the idea that, you know, we keep using the phrase outside looking in. We had one vision where we thought it was going to be a Jamar, uh, Jamar Smith, something like that. What was it like for you guys as a group? Um, and even that moment when the outside world figures out finally what you're doing is, you know, is I've talked to other executives who shocked the world before and they get a kick out of it. Like, all right, you guys, you thought you, you had a beat on us and you didn't. Like, just what was the experience like? And when did you guys decide that this was the guy for you? I think I think that you give our organization a little credit for people staying close to the vest. Sure. That's one. And the other thing is, you know, it's uh, Jeff Weltman, you know, president of basketball ops, who I've worked with Jeff. This is our fifth time working together. In is the it really five? Oh, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was a coach. He was a video guy, coach. Right. He moved up. Anyway, so we, we worked in the front office positions now, our third time doing this. But... Uh, just with Jeff, you know, he's, uh, it's just who he is. He's, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm more emotional and reactive. Uh, and Jeff is just a very, very deep thinker. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, you know, he's going to ask every question and he's just the kind of guy like, you know, he, he isn't going to make that decision until the last minute. So. Uh, you know, there is a part of it, like people said, we were trying to be coy, we were hiding something. Um, I think it says something also about the three picks that, you know, we said, like those, there's the three guys that, and there was that, that, that tier of three. So, you know, no disrespect to Jabari, love him, no disrespect to Chet, love him, you know. Um, I think they're, they're going to be very, very good players and Paolo the same thing. But I think all three of those guys were that close right. that that was a part of it. 
the fact that I think we stayed close to the vest. And it's just Jeff Weltman being Jeff. Right. You say that the questions, I wonder, as you analyzed it, what were the, the main questions that you think, you know, finally made him and, and all of you feel good about it? Well, the, the, yeah. the basketball questions, you yeah. know, like, how's yeah. he going to do defensively? The yeah. way, you know, you know, uh, you know every, the, the question about, you know, Chad, the question about Jabari, whatever it was, yeah. just be. You know, the, right. the, the amount of questions, just trying to be as thorough as possible. But I can just right. tell you, that guy's a thorough guy. Right. He kind of, he, he kind of like... Wears me out a little bit, but he's doing it right, you know, and, and um, he's made a lot, a lot of good decisions in his career. Five stops together. Y'all got some chemistry and some, some. I mean, you're talking about having a wavelength between two men and two executives that, that is, you know, I mean, I've got to imagine it, it makes the work experience you know, I'll a tell you, thing. I'll tell you this, it's kind of neat when, when Jabari, when Jabari Smith was in, um, it was kind of neat. He was talking about, Jeff was asking him about like, you know, his teammates and, and like, you know, if something happens, like, you know, what do you say to that teammate? And, and um, he said, he goes, well, you know, if like, like your teammate's your brother. And he looks at us and he goes, you guys are brothers, right? And I thought he meant like we were real brothers right. at first. You know? <laughs> and then I realized, he realized, he, he was saying, no, you know, your brother's like teammates, you know? Right. And, right. and so that's kind of, that's, hey, we're like an old married couple. We've been together a long time. Right, right. I like it. John, I feel like uh, an interview, This uh, you tell me, I don't know if this ever gets old, because in general, executives don't like talking about other teams' players, but as you know, you will forever be tied to Giannis Antetokounmpo and, and you being the guy who picked him in Milwaukee. And when we chatted yesterday on the phone, uh, I was just having fun with the other fact that I watched the movie that, that Disney put out, Rise, and, and sure enough, there's, a, I forget the actor's name, but a, a gentleman playing John Hammond, and you know, I thought the likeness was pretty good. Then I felt bad, because I guess your wife felt like it was a little bit too old. My, my wife's good. My, my, wife, my wife has told her friends, just know this, the movie... It's not about John, it's about Giannis. Right. You know, so keep that in mind. Oh, it's not about the rise of John Hammond? <laughs> no, no, not quite. <laughs> but I mean, and I don't think you've seen the movie, but to see Giannis go from those days, and, and that story really is truly incredible. Beyond basketball, you got a family that, that is, you know, going through what they went through, and then, and then to see where it's gone from there, is that always going to bring you a certain amount of joy to, to have played the part that you played in that story? Yeah, to, to be connected with something like that, you know, it's, it's, it's special. And, um, you know, that's something that, that, you know, I'll have with him and he'll have with me. But, but uh, um, you know, he's, he's such a neat guy and so happy for him and so happy for his family. They're all so deserving. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great story, a truly great story, a great story for the Milwaukee Buck organization, for the city of Milwaukee, for the state of Wisconsin. It's a winner. Are we getting royalties from the, the Rise movie? No. I, <laughs> I'm lucky to have my name in it. I'm All right. Thrilled. Fair enough. All right, John, you've got a game to go watch. We can't thank you enough for joining us. This was fantastic. Haven't seen you in years because of COVID and, I know. and, and the disconnect, yeah, but great. thank you very much. Thanks. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Nice to meet yeah. you. Pleasure. Go watch your boys. Thanks, John. Gentlemen, uh, we are going to go watch some hoops soon as well. And uh, I think we should probably talk a little bit about the games tonight. And who do we have? The second one is Portland it's and Detroit. Portland, Detroit. So, so Jaden Sharp against Jaden Ivey. No question. So Slater, we end up having, since you know we're now both living in the same region, a six degrees of Sacramento discussion that becomes Always got to come back to the Kings. Always <laughs> coming back to the Kings. So Jaden Ivey will be out on the court tonight. And the obvious tie-in there is the Kings choose to take Keegan Murray with the fourth pick. That opens the door for the Pistons to have the Jaden Ivey, Cade Cunningham combo that, 
you know, and there are certain folks that think that the Kings, you know, lean too much on fit and they should have been taking Jaden. You got this De'Aaron Fox component uh, where they just don't want to kind of hinder anything that he has going and clearly thought Keegan was just the better guy for them. Uh, you've been impressed with Keegan early yeah. in his summer league action. Well, it's funny. We just had, you know, obviously the Orlando GM here. Remember when there used to be Orlando summer league? It was like that only, yep. you know, pre-one. Now you don't have that anymore. You have the Salt Lake one, and we can get into Chet Holmgren. To me, he's been the story of the week from, from a prospect perspective, although that might be about to change in about 15 minutes. But um, Keegan Murray was really good in, in the California Classic. They're calling it the San Francisco <laughs> little, you know, uh, three-game event out there. He was right. the best player of the, you know, four teams. Um, I mean, you did. I'm sure you watched him in that Laker game, yeah. Yovan. Uh, just, I didn't. First of all, I didn't know he was. He's left-handed, which I didn't know. Uh, not as a shooter, but everything else in his life, he he signed his contract with his left hand. And you could just see that the ambidextry, I guess you would call it, out there. He's making you know dribble drives with the left finger rolls. You know, uh, just the way he. Uh, it's just such, everyone. When you talk to people with the Kings, the first thing they say is just it's an easy game, simple game for him. Makes the right decisions, uh, can get to his spots, can use either hand, rebounds well. He just does a lot of the little stuff that uh, you know you can you can criticize Sacramento's hunger to get to the playoffs next year, get to the play-in, and, and some of the decisions made on that timeline, the Sabonis trade, obviously uh, you know chief among those. But considering what their plan is. I like that pick within that plan. And, you know, yes, maybe, you know, maybe we watch Jaden Ivey tonight and you're like, whoa, they might have missed out on a superstar. But I think it's, you can already pretty much see, like, they got a good, they got a guy who's going to have a very good long NBA career, I think. Which isn't, I mean, that ain't bad at four. No, I agree. And, and, and again, I'm repeating what I told you before. The De'Aaron Fox thing is, is everything for that group. Uh, you know, he's got to find a new level and we'll see if he can. Um, any thoughts on, we got Mr. Shaden Sharp coming out of Kentucky on the Portland side. I wrote last week a bit about that Blazers pick in the context of the Damian Lillard situation. The Blazers expected to offer Dame that two-year, $100 million plus extension that I think most assume that you just don't say no to that kind of money. But I was told that, that he's essentially just continuing to monitor the situation and that they need to have a very strong offseason. Not a surprise. We've known for a long time. He's trying to see where the whole program is going. Now Joe Cronin heading up their front office. But that pick, and this is you know mainly just me talking, but like that was a long-term play. That was a project pick. Doesn't necessarily fit in with what they're trying to do. I don't know if you guys know his game very well, but you know as far as he was the mystery man of the draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I think t tonight we'll, we'll get a glimpse of how NBA-ready is he, and is he someone who could step into maybe the back end of their rotation and play some minutes for them because – uh, you know, to your point, I, I think everyone unanimously has said he he's a long-term project that you know two, three, four years out he can help you. But right now he's not really ready. And uh, with Dame, I, I think I mean we didn't even mention Portland when we were going through the the West teams and like no. they're I guess you know in the play and mix I, I would say. But but for me they're more in like that nine ten range and that's not good enough for Dame when you know this team made a conference finals a, a few years ago and. I think that was a little fluky with the bracket breaking right in their favor. Oh, it yeah. was. The, the Warriors smoked them. Swept but. with that, and that was the no, no Randy, right? Yeah, so. um, yeah, I actually kind of like their offseason, though. You know, and I understand, look, seven, like, take the best talent. There's a chance. I know there's some draft people who are like, Shaden Sharp might be the best player in this draft. And, and yeah. you might not know that for four years, so maybe Damian Lillard doesn't care if he's the best player from the draft in 2027 or whatever. But, you know, the Gary Payton signing is a very win-now, playoff-type player. We just saw him. I, you know, I was talking to 
somebody within the Warriors today talking about uh, a stat from that series. I think they were plus 41 with Gary Payton on the floor and minus something with him off the floor. It's just like the, 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 they're going to miss him. And, you know, you plug that into Portland. I think uh, he's a unique player, but I think because of the shooting Portland has, what Lillard is, I think he can thrive there still. And then Jeremy Grant, uh, you know, that's a win-now move. They traded, what, a future first for him uh, and didn't give up anything, right? That was like – part of the appeal to Detroit yeah. was they were absorbing. And Jeremy's a guy that Damian had been real interested yeah. in for a while. I do wonder, uh, and this is, we're not going to see this unfold for a while, but you know, the way that we broke down the West and how strong it is, I just, I'm telling you, I mean, what's Dame's age at this point? 30, it's early 30s. 30, yeah, I just, 32. I, I feel like, again, it's me talking, but like, it would not shock me to have that impatience one thing I would say really quickly if they're struggling, it's on him though. Like he, he looked like he was in decline last year. He had to get the core surgery. Like he's got to come back. Like before, I, in my opinion, before he can start saying like, "Well, let me go somewhere else and win a title," he's got to prove he's still at that level. Because you know, last time we saw him, he's thirty-one. He's thirty-one. But last time you, you, we saw he's him, he, he looked like he might have been aging a little bit. Now he is like shown outward confidence that he's going to get back to himself. But before he's saying like, "Let me go win a title somewhere else," like. Fall out for the Blazers this year, and then if it doesn't work and you don't like the direction, maybe. I hear you. I don't. The league doesn't really work that way. You know what I mean? Like but he's, he's, still, clearly, he's clearly committed for this season. Yeah. And if if he comes in this season and he looks like prime Damian Lillard, and the yeah. Blazers just aren't good enough, and there are you know nine down there with the the Lake Show down there in the <laughs> nine ten range or something. In Minnesota apparently. Yeah. You know. yeah nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean seven. Yeah. All right. There you go. <laughs> but you know then. The, you know, the, his mindset can maybe change going in the offseason. But, you know, Shaden Sharp retains trade value, you know, I mean, uh, into the future potentially. He does. What, what the league needs right now is Dame to ask out and just to set everything on fire even more. Well, and I mean, he Dame put something on IG with, uh, with he and Durant and yeah. Blazers jerseys. And then social media is the best. You know, Tony Durant. Kevin's brother, you know, kind of smacked that down right away. And I don't know if that's an official spokesman for the Durant camp, but I think I th it was an IG story, but it, it was kind of deleted quickly, if you will. All right, last one before we get out of here. Any thoughts on the Rockets? Uh, last night, uh, I'll give this context. As we're walking around the Cosmo Casino with a few reporters, I run into Sean McCloskey, Rockets PR man, and seeing Sean, who's a, a fantastic guy, very good at his job, reminded me that I used to see Sean all the time. The Rockets were extremely relevant. So as a national writer, I was around Houston all the time. And it's wild how time flies because of the direction their franchise has gone in. He suddenly was this, you know, this face that I hadn't seen in a, in a very long time. It was indicative of what's been happening with their program. So Jabari Smith, how do we feel about how he fits in? Uh, you know, the, you know they, they, what am I forgetting? Christian Wood over to, where did Christian go? Dallas. Thank you, to Dallas. So the Christian Wood era is over there. You know, Stephen Silas yet again has got himself uh, an unenvi un un I can't talk right now unenviable task of getting this group in the right direction. Um, but what do you think of their their landscape? Well, Jabari Smith, like you know, to the question of how does he fit in? I mean, part of the appeal of Jabari Smith as a draft pick is like everywhere is where he fits in. I right. mean, he's like a six foot ten shooter. Uh, who, like, should be able to multi-positional defender, you know? Like, he's a modern-day role player. Now, the problem is, and the reason why I think John Hammond decided not to take him one, is, like, I don't see star upside. 
But, uh, you know, next to Jalen Green, who's high usage point guard, they still have the Kevin Porter experiment kind of going on. Sengun is kind of an odd player, good player. Uh, I We're about to see Jabari Smith out there. But I, I like that addition to that young core. And I do also like just that they committed to the rebuild. You know, I mean, we're talking about the Kings and different – you know, there's also different teams that maybe chase – uh, you know, wins maybe more than they should. The right. Thunder obviously went hard pivot. It looks like it's starting to pay dividends. Chet Holmgren. Um, Houston went, they leaned in hard, and, you know, we'll, again, start to see tonight some. But uh, I like their this the, the young core they're starting to form. I'm excited to see Jabari outside the confines of, of Auburn in just the college game where I think in, you know, reading, I, I'm not – very well versed on the draft, but I, but I did at least try to get to know some of the top prospects. Not a prospects. fan of the college game. I can hear it in your voice. Well, yes, I don't yes, but also the Lakers don't have a pick to like 2030, yeah. so <laughs> I, I didn't true. really need to study up. But I think with, with Jabari, it's, you know, p people talked about just him kind of being held back a little bit, with, with, you know, at poor Auburn. Guard and sort play. of what yeah. Poor guard play and kind of what he could do. So I want to see, you know, him, him and Jalen Green and, and, and sort of just him in an NBA landscape. Like, what can he do? without, uh, you know, kind of that holding him back. So I'm not used to having a rundown clock here. I don't know you if this applies 30 to 30 seconds. Us. 30 seconds. I'm going to jam this. I'm jamming this in. Unpack John Hammond real quick. Any any takeaways from the perspective that he shared I'll, on the Paolo situation? You know, honest about how close it was, a lot of times you'll have GMs, you know, come out and be like, all along we knew it. He was far separated above, way high on our board. You know, you always get that. A team will pick like 10th and be like, it was fourth on our board. Uh, he was. He mentioned how close it was, and, and it had. You know, I believe him that it probably came down to it. These prospects are, you know, close, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I, they're building a unique team. Yeah, I would say. All right, gents, that We're was out fun. Of time, so. We're out of time. <laughs> I don't even know if that applies to us, but that's all right. Thank you for joining us on the Athletic NBA Show. We appreciate you. See you. Start her up, champ. Yeah. Uh, let her rip. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.